Whoa. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Well, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you. And uh, would you wanna, what do you want to say by way of introductions? Uh, my name is Paul. Paul Hanson Clark, PHC. Uh, I'm a poet. I live in Nebraska. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah, we were just talking about, like, uh, how we're doing podcasts. Do you hear that noise? Yeah, that's cool. I can... It's good to have some background noise in these, I think. Someone's car is stuck. I might try and help them, actually. You gonna push them out? I'm gonna see if I can help. What a fun, strange, unexpected thing. Yeah, this is a good podcast thing. They got out without me. They well, made it. Well, your good deed didn't go unnoticed. <laughs> Someone's looking down upon me. Yeah, I, uh, I, I got, I got pushed out in front of this cafe last year, and the other day I was at the same place, and I was stuck again. But I just drove on the sidewalk. Instead of tried to back out, then it worked fine. Is it like one of those like dirt parking lots or gravel? No, it's just uh, the slush. It's just this slushy when it's like kind of warm, but the snow hasn't melted, creates this slush pile. And then uh, it's not like it's that bad, but because it's kind of melty, but not entirely, it makes cars a lot more likely to get stuck in it. It's like akin to mud. It's like a Ice, the ice version of mud. Right. Yeah, and that's like, and my guess is that's the kind of parking lot they don't like plow out completely or whatever. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, it's well, it's in like my neighborhood, which is not the top priority neighborhood for for um, the city utilities and whatnot. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, you like you write a lot about like walking around just in your poems and you're doing you seem to be doing it right now yes so like, I, <laughs> yes, I so, so like it's really cool to see i don't know how you see the world like just like right now i guess if that makes sense for sure no i find well, i have a friend who his name is josh Barron. he uh he's like a true walking writer and like he like he, he he'll walk like all day, like many days a week. He's just like a walker. It's just what he does, and his writing is so awesome because of it. It really kind of like lit me up. What having a relationship to um, space and time through walking can do for one's ability to take the world in. And then I started walking more, but I'm not like a a walkhead on the level of certain people I know, but uh, I'm no longer walking now. I'm sitting down, and I feel that I'm I'm ready to begin in full earnest. Well, have you gotten over how weird it is? Like, I had this problem. Like, I had this problem. Like, thinking about going on other podcasts. Like, the the idea of like talking to someone who I'd you know been listening to for so long or in my ears, like just like while doing menial tasks. The idea of going on their podcast just seemed it's it's pretty weird i i I feel as though i've gotten used to it 
Yeah, the only times I've done anything like this have either been in real life or like I did one that was like a podcast that wasn't like existent. It was just this thing that this guy did like occasionally as a one-off. So I didn't like know what his voice sounded like particularly well. Um, but yeah, it is, it's very odd, but I've become, a, I've become adjusted to it uh, pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Well, like, how'd you, how'd you get into poetry? I feel like I got a bunch <laughs> of hints from both your Twitter and your poems, but like, how, how did it happen for you? Sure, yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I was always pretty interested in writing when I was young or whatever. Uh, but it was more like, I just write kind of stories down about stuff that happened to me or like, um, going swimming with cousins or, or something, you know, just, just shit like that. And then, uh, I don't know, in sort of junior high, like there was a teacher who ran a little like writing club that I would go to. And, uh, and then I, I was sort of like, I was like interested in writing, but, but then, uh, as I got into sort of full on adolescence, I sort of like stopped caring about writing and particular, especially poetry and just became interested in like hanging out and partying and having, you know, wild times and shit like that. Uh, so then that was sort of my, my focus for a while. And then I went to college, uh, I grew up in, like, a small town in the middle of nowhere, and I went to college in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I, be, I I sort of wanted to, like, be a writer type of shit, but for most of it, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, like, write novels or stories or whatever, uh, but I, I basically hated everything I wrote that entire time, and then towards the end of college, I took a class with this guy named Anthony Hawley which was like an, it was called avant-garde poetry. And I just like took it kind of on a, on a whim because it sounded cool. Uh, and, and yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, an, it was a very good experience because this dude, Anthony Hawley, he, he like corrected my approach to taking in art basically. Cause up until that moment, I had sort of had this like uh shitty or like broish relationship to it where like, I would take things in with an eye towards like evaluating them such that I could like um, make what I think of the thing part of my like identity as an art consumer or whatever. So it, it, it then became like in that era, it was fun for me to be like, oh yeah, that sucks. Like I, I don't like that thing. <laughs> and, and I sort of had a kind of dismissive attitude to all this weird ass poetry that he was having us read. And then he took me aside and was like, hey, man, uh, I need you to stop, like, evaluating things qualitatively and just, like, n never write about if you think something is good or bad again in this class. And instead, uh, just, like, tell me, like, what you think when you read this or what kind of feelings you have or what the experience of reading it is like. And uh, just observe that and then talk to me about it in these papers because I don't really care if you like this or not. That's not really why we're doing this. <laughs> and it was just like very cool because then I just like, I don't know. I feel like it's very common for young people to like, Oh yeah, I like this band. I don't like this band. Like it's a, it's a social, uh, 
capital like mechanism or whatever. Uh, and then so so that was like, and then like also we read a bunch of like cool stuff in that class. And then at that same time, me and a friend of mine named Justin Fife, we started a like writing group here in Lincoln. And yeah, we started meeting on like a weekly basis, like towards the end of college or like at the beginning of post college. And then that was kind of like when I started like getting more like serious about like writing poems and that being like part of my life and eventually kind of like a big part of my identity and shit. Yeah. And I mean, like one thing that strikes like, uh, I guess one thing I want to talk about about that is, uh, I guess why you decided to do poetry over, you know, stories or whatever. Cause you know, you write in a very mm. conversational style or whatever. So I think, Mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like and it and it does seem like you know i'm this i don't mean this in any type of a bad way but it does seem like you know maybe you, it does seem like you used to write fiction or you used to write prose but like i think maybe you don't like narrative i guess would be one way to put it given like, <laughs> what i've read of your poems and i guess like why what makes you like attracted to poetry and why do you write poetry i guess over, over yeah, the yeah. Other stuff? No, that's a good question um it's a lot of things. Um, the kind of big thing, and this is true of like just the challenge of writing generally, is like it, I think I, not to universalize my experience, but it's like I think it's very common to like have a have a notion in your head of what you want the writing to be or to achieve, and then when you put your pen to page or you start typing it up, like you're not able to to transmit what you have in your mind onto the onto the canvas or whatever. So then that's like a frustrating experience because you're like, oh yeah, like it'll go from here to here to here and it'll all sort of come together like this. But then you can't actually like make that a reality. And this is because um, language is not equipped to uh, to represent thought. Like thought is so much more uh, complex and dynamic and strange and language just cannot fully like capture a thought. Uh, so it was through poetry that like, I started to understand that, like, you could just uh, use language itself as a kind of, like, material and, like, have have fun with that or play around with that. Um, so, so when I first started to, like, actually enjoy the shit I wrote, uh, I, I wasn't even trying to write stuff that I thought was particularly good. I just wanted to write something that was, like, a little odd or, or kind of interesting or maybe strange or, or, or silly or something. And, and I wrote a lot of things that were just, like, um, just pure, like, sonic, like, wordplay shit. Like, just, like, words that kind of sounded crazy together and uh, rhythms that were compelling to me without any sort of um, concern for meaning or content um, whatsoever. Uh, and, and, and that kind of freedom of just, like, oh, I can just, like, write anything. And as long as it's, like, interesting to me in some way, then... It has some value, at least to me. Um, couple that with the fact that I'm doing this writing group with friends who are like meeting with me on a weekly basis and basically validating my efforts through, you know, joining with me in this ritual that we enact. Uh, it, it just kind of like was a, a a thing where it came together in a good way. But um, the other the other aspect of it is like to what you're talking about with like prosiness or narrative or non-narrative or whatever um with with poetry then like as i got deeper into it and more into it and more 
experience as a writer and a reader. Um, I, I don't know, just kind of like, for whatever reason, it's, it's poetry that clicked with me. Poetry was the thing where I could like see the kind of infinite possibility within it. I was like, oh, you can do anything with a poem. Like you can do whatever the fuck you want and it doesn't matter. Like you could still have it be a poem. Uh, and, and then like, and then like through the practice of like writing on a consistent basis, I started to branch out into more like personal shit, more like direct shit, more like, um, this is about this shit. And, um, and, and, and yeah, it just kind of was like a gradual development until I like hit a place where I felt like I was, I don't know, like being myself as a writer and and part of that is also like I really like to read things out loud. So like everything I've written, I've I've re- read out loud many times in the process of writing. And I think that kind of tends to lend uh, having that be a thing you do tends to lend a conversational dimension to writing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the pieces. Uh, the thing I'll say about narrative is, yeah, I used to have this joke that like my poems are like. 30,000 microfictions jammed into one text that I call a poem or, or something like that. And, and yeah, I like, uh, I like, uh, telling stories, but the, the idea of a larger narrative has always been very perplexing to me. And I have friends who write fiction who are like very adept at plotting and can kind of like pull the reader along, um, through like the mechanics of using plotting and and I just don't get it. Like, my mind just doesn't comprehend how they do that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just kind of found myself... I mean, I have poems that are kind of, like, straight-up narrative. But, yeah, I do enjoy, like, complicating narrative and, and telling stories that... Like, telling four stories at once or, or telling things that aren't connected or, like, not finishing a thing or I don't know, any number of ways. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing you do a lot that you're kind of saying there is... Uh just having like every line is a micro fiction. Like I'd say every line or sometimes multiple, you write some really long lines. So sometimes it feels like mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're doing a whole, doing a whole novel or a whole world, or rather the line is evoking a whole world just in that one line. And then onto the next thing. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I, uh, yeah, I hope to be, a, well, and that's another part of it is like, uh, with editing, it used to be like, like, like I was saying earlier, like, I, I would write stuff that just kind of, like, sounded cool. Um, and then because of that, I had this sort of idea of, like, flow. Like, flow needed to be a part of a poem. And I'd have these poems where, like, I would be writing shit. And there'd be the stuff that kind of hits hard. And then there'd be the stuff that kind of, like, it's just, like, wordplay and flow in between the next part that hits hard. And, um... And g- generally, if I, like, brought the poem to the writing group and people would be like, eh, this part doesn't, like, do that much for me, I'd be like, you know, who cares? It's, like, it's like four lines. Like, who cares if there's four lines that kind of, like, don't do much? Uh, but then at some point, I started thinking of my shit in terms of, like, collection. And I realized, like, over the- if every poem has four lines that that are basically pointless, then, like, over the course of... Uh, 10 poems, that's like 40 lines of pointless shit. And that seems like kind of fucked up to do to a reader in aggregate. So then I started like being very like wanting every line to have something that's like evocative about it to me. 
where like I uh, I'm energized or affected or or tweaked or something by every piece. Um, and I started sort of applying that test. So yeah, it's really kind of you to say that because it's something I work toward. Yeah, I mean, like something else I think we wanted to talk about was uh, the writing group. And I think one of the important things about writing groups that you, you're kind of talking about is uh, like how they, like, I guess, give you or like tell you how to like what what parts of the poem work and and, and like in in terms of you being the poet you want to be and also what parts maybe aren't doing anything. So like, I guess, like, mm-hmm. what was that process like of having a group of people who, like, I guess, knew where you were trying to go and were helping you get there, if that may? That's, yeah. that's right. No, that's definitely, um, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely right. It's a, it's a big, big question. Um, I will say that, like, well, I have had sort of a main writing group that I do that's been a pretty big constant in my life for, for like, 10 years. Uh, I, I've also done a lot of, like, going to open mics or like taking part in like sort of ephemeral writing communities that kind of like come and go. Um, and, and, and I will say the, op- the open mic context um, is oddly almost more in- instructive in terms of like the specific question of like what p- parts of poems are working and what, what parts aren't. Uh, be- because like if I, if I read a poem at an open mic, it's like a small and fairly like intimate community it, 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 it's 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 not a matter of like the response that you're getting from people it's like a pure reaction so, so it's like I, I you read some lines and you can feel them reacting to it and you read other lines you can feel them like disengaging from you and 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 because of that i've always like tried to make uh performance like that that type of sharing like outside of a of a more like trusted group a part of my like writing practice, my editorial practice, because because when you're putting your stuff in front of just like random people or acquaintances or people who know you but don't like have any sort of personal investment in you or whatever, um, sometimes their like just kind of reaction can tell you more than like a more sort of like thoughtful string of ideas coming from like a friend of yours who knows your work. It, it, it's this weird paradox because then back to the writing group itself, like, what I found is, like, while, like, it's definitely useful to get people to, like, I don't know, I, I could go in a lot of different directions with it, but what I'll say right now, just to start off, is, like, while it's definitely useful to get people to be talking about your shit and to have people who, like, read your stuff semi-consistently and thus can kind of, like, have a bigger idea of, like, what you're trying to do and then their remarks, like, sort of become more specific and useful or whatever, um, I find it's like almost better as a participant. Like I feel like the problem that exists within writing workshops and not just like academic what writing workshops, but certainly certainly academic writing workshops, but like kind of the whole philosophy of writing workshops that, that I've largely witnessed is people expect it to be this uh this gathering where they can get something out of it. They they can bring their piece of writing and then people can contribute to them and then they can leave having benefited uh but but i find the the greater benefit is um you know taking other people's work seriously and um developing like a mind that can actually like think about people's work in a meaningful way such that like you can like truly appreciate what they're doing and say shit that might like actually be helpful to them and then like 
through that process, I, I found that you kind of develop just a general, like, critical acumen that then aids you in, like, all kinds of ways. But also it helps you keep, like, this sort of social ritual going. And that's, like, the most important part of all. It, the, the content, I mean, it's one thing, like, there's certainly, like, the nightmare workshop where, like, there's some asshole running it who is, like, just like kind of tyrannical or like condescending or whatever. Like that's definitely a thing. But if, if you have like a, a good faith gathering, the content of, of what people are saying about the writing itself, I think is, is less important than the actual like good vibes of people just like getting together and feeling good about doing this thing. And, um, and, and, and yeah, I don't know, like that, that piece of it is a big piece of it. There's definitely stuff I could think about and say about, what I've gotten from that practice as a poet specifically, how it's affected my work, how it's helped me change it and grow it. But, but I also kind of think of these other dimensions that aren't discussed as much. <clears throat> well, I think it ties back earlier to what you were saying about, uh, like when you, before you had that avant-garde poetry class, you were just sort of saying like, Oh, I like this. I don't like this. And I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, when given how like, you know, we're taught to uh, think about art, it's just this finished product that this person that this you know genius handed down to us yeah yeah, and yeah when yeah. you get into a workshop like that you know it's a whole nother mode of interacting with art that until then you know i don't think anyone's encouraged anyone's ever going to be encouraging you know yeah no i i hadn't thought of that connection but it's definitely it's definitely true it's definitely a very like it's very unfortunate it's just kind of a bummer yeah the way that art is kind of like uh taken to be uh, this like end product that at best is brilliant and at worst isn't, and, and it's only understood through that kind of lens. When, when the reality of like art and being an artist is, is it's like it's it's the li it's living the life of being creative and sharing that creativity with people you care about. Like that's that's where the real like magic and beauty and actual like growth as a person and all and all this shit. Like that's where that's where it all happens is in the social part of it. But art is understood almost to be as a, a an anti-social thing. And it, and it basically sucks because like, I mean, you know why it sucks. Like it just sucks because like we're social creatures yet this like essential aspect of our being creativity is like siloed into like, no, no, like that's not a, a social practice. That's just like a thing that brilliant people do and then like bestow upon us. Uh, if if they deign to or 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 whatever, um, yeah, and it and it it's a fucking drag. Yeah, totally. And I, something else I wanted to ask you too about is like, how did you how did you like come to a group of people to have a, a workshop with for like ten years in the way you're in the way you've just been describing, where you know you comment each, on each other's sure. works and grow in that way. Like, how did you how did you come and you know to be a part of that? Uh, it's been a pretty interesting and ever evolving process um but yeah at the beginning it was like uh, it was just kind of like it's just funny to think about the kind of like what happened is is i started dating someone that this guy had previously dated and prior to that we were me and this guy were acquaintances but but then like he wanted to start doing this writers group with me uh and and we had this like kind of like uh rift between us because of this like shared love interest or whatever but we also had a shared interest in poetry and we just kind of did it 
And it was like this weird kind of contentious thing that we did. And early on, it was also like us just kind of like, I don't know, like it wasn't ever like particularly um, bad in this way, but it was like, like kind of like dudes who like bro-ish who wanted to like assert ourselves as like uh, interesting, creative, cool people in our community and whatnot. And just like this felt like an avenue to do it. Like there wasn't anyone writing cool poems in Lincoln and like that's a thing that we could do and it would be fun and basically when it started it was like me and uh my friend Justin this dude Anthony and then uh, my friend Becky and uh, it was just like a, it was like a kind of core group of like four or five people and and it was like kind of a partying thing it was like we would go and we were also anxious about it that we would kind of like get fucked up and then by the time we got sort of, like, wasted enough, we would start sort of, like, um, being a little more open with, like, sharing our thoughts or, like, sharing even our work with each other. Um, and, and that was kind of the, the, the paradigm of it for quite a while was it, it was, like, this this partying kind of milieu. Like, we would drink while we were doing it. We would smoke cigarettes. It was kind of, like, corny, uh, I guess. Um, but uh, that whole time, I was, like, super kind of aware of, like, what was happening uh, elsewhere in in Lincoln, like in the scene, like who were these other poets who was doing stuff? And me and Justin were very like uh, we're very good about just like hitting people up, just like hey come to writers group, hey come to writers group, hey come to writers group. And then like we would get we we just kind of like grew the community of it, and then we started having public readings that people would come to, and then um, yeah I don't know it just became like a bigger and bigger thing that more and more people kind of connected with. And then the, the turning point was in, in Lincoln, there's this thing called um, the parish project. And it's like a bunch of small, low rent art studios above like a couple of like restaurants and bars downtown. And this guy who owns it, he like, he's like this oddball guy who's like weirdly committed to providing cheap places for people to do art shit and uh we rented a studio up there every every first friday there's an art walk so we started doing a poetry reading every first friday and there would be a lot of like foot traffic and shit and like one out of probably like a hundred people that would come through like everyone that comes through is like what's this place and then we're like oh hey yeah we do a writer's group for poets blah 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 like 99 of those people will be like huh yeah like later like i don't fucking care but every now and again you meet someone who's like oh interesting tell me about that and then because we had that kind of like public facing venue um it, it it just allowed us to like create a churn of like oh here's where like here's where we find new people who might connect with it and then like through that kind of like excitement of that process the kind of core group grew from like three or four people to like nine or 10 people. And then it sort of like, I became kind of committed to like, uh, well, at some point along this line, I quit, I quit drinking alcohol and started trying to be like a much better person. And I also became committed to like, um, not having a space where like, uh, only bros felt comfortable and shit like that. Like I, I wanted like all kinds of people to feel as though they could walk into this room and, and be themselves or whatever. So, so then, like, through that sort of fire or whatever, I started, like, allying with, with women and shit like that. And then, like, that just kind of grew 
the project. And then, yeah, it's, it's just been an evolving thing. Like it, it was, it was very big for a while, then it kind of dipped. And then I sort of passed the baton on to someone else. And he was very uh, active about like um, inviting people and getting a lot of new blood. Uh, he moved. Now I've been r running it again and it's kind of like slower again. So it's always this like ever evolving process of like, um, you know, just, just being there, just like making that space that people know that they can come to and trying to make it as available as possible. Um, and yeah, sometimes there's going to be like a lot of action and other times it's going to be kind of quiet. I feel like ha having that like public space that people could come into is a really big deal. I feel I, it's so rare to have any kind of public space, especially for poetry now, you know, to, there's just so much like privatization and everything that having like, I think I said this on the podcast before, but um, maybe, I, yeah, I think I did. But like, you know, when you think about the MFA programs or whatever, they were preceded by stuff like the John Reed clubs and you know what the MFA represents in some senses is like the privatization of those public spaces where people used to get together and do poetry mm -hmm, and like, mm -hmm. yeah. And like, I mean like how, <laughs> Like I, it's hard for me to ask. Like, think of a good question here, but like, like how, how, like, what else did you observe about having a public space for poetry? Like, how did that? How else did that like help? Like, what were those conversations yeah. like with people? Yeah, no, I mean, what you're saying, I, I, I very much, I vibe with hardcore. Um, you know, you know, I think you know, Seth Abramson is that name familiar to you? Yeah, you're talking about the, the war criminal. He's like. No, no, he's like this, like, he used to, like, be this poetry world kind of slime ball who wrote, like, listicles. And he, like, opened a service where, like, you could send him some poems and give him, like, 200 bucks or something. And then he would tell you what MFA programs would be best for you to apply to. Um, and now he's, like, a resistance lib on Twitter who, like, does, like, long threads about Russia and shit like that. It's, it's a very weird figure in, in the culture but anyways there's an interview with seth abramson where he says like that the mfa is like the most sort of like uh pro poetry institution to ever have existed because it creates in every town that has a college with an mfa a uh, poetry community that wouldn't otherwise exist and and when i read that it, it made me so angry because um like i you know i i uh been university here doesn't have an mfa but it has an ma and a phd in creative writing and i've interacted with people who go through that program many times for many many years and the fact of the matter is for the vast majority of the cases these are just people who are like from some random place they get parachuted into lincoln nebraska for um two maybe three years and then they leave and if you try to engage with them as like hey i'm part of a poet i'm a i'm a poet who's part of a poetry community here you're typically met with kind of like disdain like it's almost kind of unreal how um how averse uh these kind of academic uh programs and institutions can be to any sort of like outside energy or influence or even like connection because it's like oh this this isn't as serious as what we're doing and, and and it was very odd to me because i was we started this like in our early 20s and i i really thought that like 
I was like basically the same age as all these grad students. I really thought I'd be able to connect with them and get them to be a part of this work that we were doing. But I can honestly count on one hand the number of people who ever like seriously engaged with the work that we were doing with our writing group and our readings and all that stuff. Um, so like that's kind of speaking to the limitations of having a public space where it's like, oh, here you have this public space where you're doing poetry stuff that anyone can come to. And you have this like community of people that exist within the university context uh, who, you know, you'd think would like, oh, these people would gladly hook into it. But then none of them want to. They're all just like, yeah, I'm not interested. So then it, it, what it what it does is like, it wasn't as though like I was like, what we're going to do is we're going to create this space. And then like all the grad student poets are going to be a part of it. Like that was never my thinking exactly. But like when you realize that like that's a fucking dead end, like no one's going to be coming from that. You just have to be kind of like more creative and open and like, I don't know, just, like, be be willing to put stuff out there in a way that, like, various and random people can connect with. So, like, we would have a reading, and then, like, sometimes it would be, like, an like, like we'd do a reading where it was, like, an open, and then, like, you, you find that people feel as though, like, they're a part of it, and then, like, maybe after a reading that's, like, more of an open mic, more people are likely to come to the writer's group. Uh, but But then, like, you can also do a reading that's, like, a performance and if it's like someone really crushes it then people are like excited and they want to be a part of it um but like to your to your larger point because because i feel like i'm getting a little like in the weeds or whatever is like having the public space that people can gather in and connect it, i mean like it's it's really cool and it's really special and it's really beautiful um because like it can serve so many functions like stacked on top of each other like Yes, it's a venue for readings, right? Um, and people who aren't part of the kind of, like, uh, inner community of this space can take part in that. But also, like, it's this room in downtown Lincoln that's, like, relatively private. So people would use it as a place to, like, you know, like, smoke some weed or, like, hang out or, like, go up there after the bars close or whatever. So it became, like, kind of an informal social gathering space as well and, and having like oh this is like a kind of like mildly subversive social gathering space that's like connected to these weirdos who write poems like that then sort of like creates a uh, space for poetry or at least like in people's minds within the larger community and then it's like oh yeah like poetry is a thing people do and then like the guy who was up there just like hanging out one night he's like then a hundred times more likely to tell his random friend who's a poet to check this thing out. And after like a couple of years of having that space, um, it, it just like, it just started happening where like random people would just be like, Hey, I heard about this thing that you guys do. Uh, I've heard it's kind of cool, like blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it'd be people from, from Lincoln who like are, who are doing their own thing. And then like we connected. Sometimes it would be people like, not even from around here who are just like passing through town and they kind of connect with some artsy kids and then they like find their way in and and yeah i don't know it, it just like opens up all kinds of possibility um if if you're willing to be like one open to that and two like uh cool like <laughs> like that, that's another thing about it is it's like just being like nice and chill and and friendly and cool i think is like 
kind of the opposite of what people expect from like poetry or poets. So I think it's like a very pleasant uh, surprise when, when people encounter that. Yeah, and I, I got what's his face? Elliot Abrams confused with Seth Abramson. So <laughs> Oh yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Not a yeah, war no. criminal, it turns out. But <laughs> but he's he does suck, but no, he isn't a war criminal. Uh, but yeah, Elliot Abrams God, what, a, what a ghoul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spooky. Um but uh what like so what else have your interactions been with like the poetry world and institutions themselves? Um yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. I, I've uh, I can go in a few directions, Roy. Um, I, I work at the University of Nebraska in the English department currently, so I have this kind of like uh, connection to what's happening there uh, in the academic world of poetry. There, I've also been like pretty active in like online poetry uh, scenes, uh, alt lit, but also like kind of Tumblr stuff. Uh, I've also kind of, like, been sort of, like, a regional poet. Like, I've done a lot of poetry stuff in Chicago. I've done some poetry stuff in KC. Like, I like to go around and, like, connect with people who, like, are close to me uh, and just kind of, like, I don't know. Just I just find it to be healthy to make those connections. Uh, I also, I got an MFA, like, a couple of years ago, like I, I, I was never very into it, but then in my thirties, it was basically like what happened is the, I, I, I was afraid that the writing group was like going to die. So then I sort of like, uh, I was sort of like desperate. And this poet named Matthias Felina posted on Facebook that there's this new program coming up and you should apply. So I just kind of applied to that on a whim and then I ended up going through it. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. I could talk about any of that, any of those things. Like, what direction are you most interested in? Well, maybe we should talk because I know a lot of the people, like in the, what, like on the Twitter scenes that I'm a part of, are doing like real life stuff. So I guess like, what's like, what's been the importance of like meeting up with poets IRL for you? I guess maybe we'll start there. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damn, that's interesting. What's the importance of it? Um, it's sort of like it sort of began as like a like a practical thing where it was like like when we started the space for having readings and shit it was like ooh wouldn't it be cool if like we could get someone who isn't from here to read here like ooh wouldn't that be exciting and this is back when like html giant existed and uh and i think someone just like made a post about this dude named jeff griffin who was, like, part of some, like, one of those, like, collectives where it was, like, they had, like, a name, like, like, the Doornails or some shit, and they'd write these, like, weird poems. And they were, like, I think they were all grad students at Iowa, which is only a few hours from Lincoln. So then I was, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could get this dude who was on HTML Giant to come here? And then I just, like, emailed him and was, like, hey, do you want to do a reading in Lincoln? And he was, like, yeah, sure. And he came with this, with this woman, and they did a reading. Um, so it was like that kind of thing where it's like, oh, this, this is going to enhance the work that we're doing. Um, but then you start doing that and like, you kind of realize that like, it, it can be a kind of empty experience in a weird way where like, you invite someone to come like, kind of like share what they're up to with like this world that, that you're, that you're part of. But then you kind of get the sense that like, they don't really care. Like they don't give a shit about you or any of the people. They're just kind of like, 
doing a thing because like that's what they perceive uh, as a thing that poets are supposed to do um so then the, the connections that you so but when people then do come through and you're like oh this person's really great and i really like have a, a vibe with this person it just it just feels so special and so sacred um and it was like the personal name drop is this guy named alex savage who um I think how it worked, and this is, like, just funny, like, the connection is, like, how it worked is, uh, we were doing our writing group, and this dude named Joe Younglove, he told a, a woman who was passing through town, just kind of like a, a hippie-ish traveler type about the writing group, and then she connected with our writing group, and I became pretty good friends with her, and then at some point, I followed everyone that she followed on Twitter, because that was a thing I used to do, I would just, like, if I liked someone's approach to Twitter, I would then just kind of follow all the people they follow because I assumed that they would follow cool people. And because of that, I started following this dude named Alex Savage, who's an artist and a poet from Kansas City. And then because I was following him on Twitter, I started interacting with him on um, Tumblr and all this other platforms and shit. And he would post poems or PDFs or whatever. And one time I went to a friend of mine... Uh, a friend of mine, so this guy, uh, Travis, he, he, who's, who's uh, humorously a former professional golfer, uh, he, he did an open mic in his friend's like basement called Poet Show It. And I went to Poet Show It one time, and I read a poem. I like to read poems that, I, that aren't by me uh, at, at readings and shit. So I read a poem that Alex had written that I had read earlier that day on Tumblr or something. And then I emailed him, and I was like, hey, man, I just... I don't know you, but I like your poems. And I read this poem at an open mic and he was like, Oh, that's cool. And then like a year or two later or something, the, the now disgraced scumbag, Steve Roganbuck was doing a reading in the space that we had. And I was like, I knew that Alex had some like connection to alt lit. And I was like, Hey, do you want to come up and do a reading? And he was like, absolutely. So then he comes up uh, with his partner and he does this reading and then like they're like really sweet awesome people to hang out with and steve is like a really weird and unpleasant person to be around and it's just this interesting thing where it's like oh wow like who would have thought that like this this more famous person coming through would like result in a more like um special or lasting connection with someone who's like kind of a rando but now like we're i don't know we're not like great friends but i i do feel very close to him and we do, like, communicate on a fairly regular basis. And just, like, um, that experience of making, interacting with people in the world a priority, uh, I, I don't know, I just find it subtly transformational. Like, it, it just kind of opens up, it, it's, it's as though, like, you're, um, you're opening doors that you don't know where they lead by, like, trying to connect with people who who you, like, have some sort of, like, understanding of who they are, but are also, like, very kind of mysterious to you or whatever. And the only thing you have in common is this art thing. And, and I don't know, I have so many kind of kooky stories like that where it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm in Chicago. I'm going to call, like, my friend's friend and who I know to be a poet and, like, see if he'll, like, let me crash on his couch. And then it, part of it's, like, there's kind of a thing about it that's like kind of privilege i i've jokingly referred to it as like privilege surfing where you just kind of like use your privileged identity to like get into rooms with people who like don't particularly know you well but you have like enough 
uh, context that they feel comfortable with that you can just like hang out. And it's kind of like, I don't know. I only, I only think about this because just today I was talking to a friend of mine on Twitter about how people who like just kind of travel indefinitely are really just like, uh, they kind of act like they've like hacked a life, but really they just are like privileged as fuck or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Nonetheless, just the experience of like trying to connect with people, uh, I don't know. It just, it just invites like newness and new energy and, uh, new ideas about creativity and most importantly i think like fun and memorable experience you know like so much of our life is mediated through these experiences that we have and so much of the experience that we have from day to day is just this kind of same boring drudgery that we're forced in by this larger system um so if you can use like this interest in art or creativity or poetry or whatever it may be to like um even temporarily like create a space that feels different than that or outside of that, it, it it just like for me, it just like makes my heart sing, and it, it makes me feel as though um, maybe like a different kind of, it's like a glimpse of some kind of potential that could be um, like a, a kind of world that that's better than the one that that I'm trapped in most of the time. Yeah, and you brought up like um, Twitter, and I used to do the thing where if you like someone, because this was, I, I imagine you're talking about like maybe like twenty like the early 2010s, like 2010, 2011. Back then I used to like, if there was someone I liked on Twitter, I used to just like follow everyone they followed. Cause it wasn't like today where mm-hmm. people follow like a thousand people, but <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I was going to ask like, you know, maybe we should talk about alt lit and how you, you've, you've kind of given us how you came online, but like, what has your experience has been in the, the online poetry world? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, so like, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to think about. Like, it, what happened is like I, I was writing poems in, in LinkedIn, and I felt pretty good about them. <laughs> I thought you said on LinkedIn. I was like, what? I was writing poems on my LinkedIn. I was I was just like being. <laughs> be- <laughs> uh, I was just I was just being a poet here. I was just doing my thing. And I felt pretty good about the poems, and I was part of a community. Blah blah blah. But then I started writing poems that were like. Uh, different than poems that I had written previously and were a lot more like personal and a lot more um, sad and fucked up and, and, and shit like that. And um, I felt this kind of like, and they had a more like kind of casual idiom to them or whatever. And it was dumb of me to feel this way, but I felt this like shame about it. I, I felt as though um, the people in my life would like reject this this type of poetry or this approach to art so then i started like kind of just you know cruising around the internet and like trying to seek shit out and i'd had some kind of like like that dude anthony holly in the avant-garde poetry class i mentioned he he like he he was like he was a poet of like the gen x cohort of some minor notoriety and he did like a week in that class about flarf so I became kind of like an observer of all these like um, Gen Xy like conceptualist flarf yeah, communities. So like what, where what year is this exact? Sorry. Well, the, the that that shit was like the 2007 or 2008. Oh, so that uh, was maybe like right. Two. That was probably right after around peak flarf. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I think I kind of missed the. I don't, I don't know, I was never really, like, a part of it or particularly connected to it, but, like, I do remember, like, a handful of times, like, just reading, like, 
it was like four different people had blogs and they were all writing kind of like competing posts, like theorizing about the, I don't know, like, and then the comment sections would be like super fucking lit. And then like that blog would just kind of like cease to exist. Like, six six weeks later type of shit um so i i'd had that that experience of like oh there's people out there who get fired up about poetry on the internet like they exist uh but yeah then come like the like you're saying like the early 2010s i'm more active on social media uh and so on and so forth i don't know i just i, I don't know how i found it but it was like how, how exactly I, I got turned on to all lit but it was like part of it was like html giant I, I think, like, someone linked to, like, maybe a best poetry of the 2000s list or something, and I was, like, intrigued by some of the shit I found on there, and then, like, I started following HTML Giant, and I and then through that, I heard about Tao Lin, and also Anna's, Anna C, Anna Coretti, and... And Anna's work, I was super, super into. Like, I was I, I was just very excited by it. And this was, like, kind of the first alt-lit person whose blog I, like, followed obsessively. And, like, I still, like, well, when she, whenever she posts a new zine or some shit, I'll still pick it up. And, uh, and, and then, like, I don't know, it was, like, kind of three to six months after that kind of initial, like, connection with this stuff that the that the social component of it really started to kind of pick up steam and, and, and you have people like um, doing like live streaming readings or like there's Facebook groups that are emerging or like random people who are maybe poets start adding you as a friend on Facebook or, or whatever. And, and, and then I sort of became like part of the digital world of it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, Losing my train of thought. No, I mean, well, I guess like what drew you to to alt lit? I guess like what what about the the style? Oh, and all sure, that? yeah. What was was interesting? Uh, to you? And I guess too, uh, not to interrupt, but like also, what about like the social relationships there? Do you find? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with the style, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was just kind of cool to see people like writing weird shit. Uh, on the internet and sharing it kind of like it just felt kind of new like no one had like just like it, it it was just like there's all these people out there who were suddenly like writing a lot very rapidly and sharing it uh, as widely as they could and I, and I just tried to be like kind of inspiring um the the, the writers themselves like there wasn't like there's definitely all the writers who, who I was interested in but it, it wasn't the the writing itself so much as it was like the way people related to technology and related to each other because it was like someone writes a poem and then someone else will write a poem like based on that. Or I don't know. There's just like kind of like free sort of wild exchange to it that, um, that felt kind of genuine and real. And I was very drawn to that. Um, and, and then you started to realize that there was this like social component that was, that was, happening well that's like uh, sorry not to interrupt but like the no, please, please. like the genuineness and realness that you describe from like all lit i feel like a lot of people feel that way about it but at the same time you know the the writing was always about i guess <laughs> sort of feeling alienated all the time or something like that 
So, but I, yeah, I, yeah. but I remember, I, you know, I remember the stuff at the time and it did feel like people were engaging with it, you know, in a genuine way, despite it being kind of detached, ironic at times, or, you know, just alienated. So I like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so what, how, like, how did that work for you that you felt like a genuine kind of way about it? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, uh, I, uh, I, I don't know. It was like, as far as like my genuine connection to it, it was largely to do with like, oh, there's other weird people on the internet, um, and they write weird poems, and they're like posting them and talking about them and sharing them actively. And I just found that to be very like beautiful and something I hadn't really seen before. As far as the work itself, like I don't know, I I I've always had kind of mixed feelings about it. Um, a lot of the, I don't know, a lot of the kind of trends or gestures or like styles. Uh, I found kind of kind of uninteresting or corny or like uh, the, the phenomenon of like someone starts writing like someone else. I found it to be very like grating and uh, kind of a drag. So so there's a lot of aspects of it where I was just like not super into the poems themselves necessarily, but the fact that they were being written and being shared, it, it had this kind of like uh, energy to it that like a that maybe like a better poem that a more, like, established poet, their poems lack that energy of, like, I think the term is, like, exigence. Like, you, you get the feeling, like, the person is writing this poem because they have no other choice than to write this poem. Uh, it, it just had that kind of feeling to it, and I'm very attracted to that feeling. And that's a big reason I like open mics, too, because it's, like, with open mics, it's just a gathering of weird, fucked-up people. And sometimes they're great poets, but sometimes they're not. But the, the, the person who who is, like, I don't know, like, for whatever reason, like, they don't function as well in society as maybe a lot of people do, but they're sharing their work, and it's, like, it's not that, it's, it's maybe not, like, it's not, may not especially compelling, but there's usually, like, some aspect to it that's, like, highly original or special or unique to that person, and, and sometimes it's only, like, a, a small marking, but, but I've always, like, um... I've always been obsessed with like finding uh, the the beauty in in everything, uh, and, and like like it's my responsibility as a writer to like understand, or as a reader and as a writer, I guess to to understand like why this is valuable, like why is this thing's existence valuable in the world. So so I think that just kind of like open relationship to it that again is kind of derived from that teacher I was talking about. It just kind of primed me to, like, be more, like, willing to, like, uh, see past the kind of limitations of, like, people kind of, like, writing mundane poems about uh, feeling shitty on the internet or whatever and, like, uh, appreciating uh, just the energy of it. Um, and, and then, yeah, you know, you're, then here you start... for, you're here for the vibes. I'm definitely here for the vibes. I uh, am unironically a vibe lover. Um, but then, you know, you start to develop, like, just exactly, but you start to develop, like, there's people that you interact with more, there's people you interact with less, there's people whose ideas you connect with, and, and it starts to feel as though you're part of a community, and there, even though, like, a lot of the people in the community, like, uh, <laughs> like, sucked really bad, uh, and I wasn't, like, super in love with the community, there were cool people in it throughout that I that I felt I could connect to and then like you know some of those people I was able to like actually hang out with and some of them I, I've never hung out with and it's just it's just kind of a 
interesting thing. Yeah, well, I mean, you've seen, I guess, some of the new stuff coming up, like with the, I guess, uh, proletarian type poetry, as some people might call mm-hmm. it. Like, I mean, how do you mm-hmm. how do you feel about about this about this wave of, of poetry activity? Oh, uh, I think it's really cool. I think it's really beautiful. Um, well, that's another thing. I, and like, I felt I've always felt this way about everything. Is like, I always feel kind of like like an observer, like more like I'm just kind of checking it out. Uh, and and maybe I'll like connect with certain people, but but generally I always feel kind of like an outsider. So, and I felt that way with all lit. Uh, and, I, and I don't necessarily like mean to compare these two things because I think they're quite different. But yeah, no, I love it. I love what's happening. Uh, particularly just kind of the like the philosophy of um, anti-publishing that people are talking about is something that I've been very interested in for a very long time because like at some point like you it's like you read so many journals and they all have these about pages where it's like, they have these like really like weirdly complex mastheads where it's like, this is the associate fiction editor. And this is like the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you guys are just like random people like making a magazine. Like, why are you um, presenting it as like akin to like the New Yorker or poetry magazine or whatever? Like, and then they have these like, uh, what we're looking for statements that are like so like pretentious and meaningless like we want we want poems that can make a bunny like hop across the road and find himself in a new world and and like and i always just found it like like arbitrary like the idea of someone like having an aesthetic and that being the purpose of their journal it always struck me as like pointless and just a way to like a fake like a fake mechanism to shut people out of what you're doing and the publishing stuff that I've done through, through the work we do in, in Lincoln. Um, yeah. So like what, what, what is the publishing stuff you've, you've been doing? Well, I, I've been doing this. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of try and get to what I'm up to now, but like back in the day, like how it kind of started is like um, this woman named Rachel Wolf. She started coming to the writers group. And she had had a friendship with this other woman named Amanda Huckins, and they had like a kind of informal online writing group. And I joined their sort of online group, and then I started chatting with Amanda on Facebook chat. And then we developed one of those like very kind of like intense chat friendships. And then she was living in Portland at the time, but she was very interested in what we were doing uh, with the readings in the poetry space that I was talking about earlier. And she was like, wouldn't it be cool if, you guys had little chat books that you distributed at the readings with work from the people who read. And I was like, that would be cool. And she was um, an intern at the Independent Publishing Resource Center, I believe is the name of the place in Portland. So she was like, well, I could print them and make them and all that shit. And she's like all into like letter pressing and all that stuff. So she made these little, these little like pocket sized chat books. And we started doing that. We started having these little books at every reading. And then uh, at one point, like, we were doing, in every February, we do a love poem open mic. That was, like, the event that we'd have in February. And we were like, oh, yeah, we should, um, we should, like, just publish whoever. Like, whoever sends us a love poem, we'll just publish. And, like, not a lot of people knew who we were or what we were doing. So, like, it was just another, like, small book. But then the next year, um... I was like, like I had been more involved with like 
alt lit. I had sort of become friends with people through Tumblr and all this stuff. And I just started like kind of messaging, like sending out like, hey, you should submit to this thing. And it ended up being this like two book thing that was really, that was quite the kind of endeavor to put together. And uh, then the year after that, it ended up being like this crazy big thing. It was like a six book thing that was like fucking huge. And it was like this massive amount of work. And it was just a, it was really hard, but it was a lot of fun. But through that process, um, I started to develop ideas about like, what is it to be an editor? And, and it seemed wrong to me for like, specifically for a, a collection of love poetry, for me to be making like editorial judgments and like rejecting things because it, it wasn't good enough to me or it didn't meet some sort of like qualitative or aesthetic standard. So I, I, and it wasn't just me, like I wasn't the only one that, that felt this way, but I'm definitely like the most extreme thinker in this direction of my like community, or at least I was at the time. Uh, I was like, we should publish everything, not reject anything for any reason. Uh, because like, who are we to do that? Like, that's not right. Like, it's not right to do that. And eventually we reached this compromise where like, we would publish something by everyone that sent us something. We wouldn't necessarily publish all the things they sent, but we would find something and publish it. So everyone that sent us shit would be included in the thing. Unless they sent something. Like, there was someone that sent a poem about peeking through a window or some shit. And it was, like, it was probably, like, just, like, a weird, like, edgelordy, ironic thing. But, like, just the off chance that it's actually some, like, fucking asshole creep like that. Like, that's not the kind of energy you want to put into the world so like if it's something like that that had like an ethical uh we would maybe not publish it but like that, that there's only like one or two instances of that um so so yeah i don't know that that was kind of like first like big publishing shit that we did and the the discourse around anti-publishing and some of the stuff that like the pain bucket editor has said and like just different things that people say within this world of poetry that that you're really plugged into and that i really enjoy kind of like seeing develop uh it just really resonates with me because it's like this this idea of like fuck like these editorial guidelines fuck these like just the sort of uh pretentious positionality of the editor uh, like like fuck it all like it's all broken it's all corrupt and like it has no reason like it doesn't actually serve a purpose all it does honestly is hurt people you know and i don't necessarily feel that way but part of me does. And I think it's like an energy that has been completely shut out of poetry and like just completely shut out for a really long time. So to see to, to, to see people making space for that kind of thinking, uh, I think is really cool. And I, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like especially important, like an, like an especially important point given how, you know, it seems like a lot of these places have really been accepting less and less like sort of submissions and just kind of gone in a more selective direction and mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if you feel that way but it seems like you know there's you know you have to have as you're saying like as you're talking about the mass head i mean you can also talk about the author bios of that have been going yeah, on yeah yeah and, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah i got my mfa i'm going for the phd type stuff yeah well you had a tweet earlier what was that it was like Oh, it was like, yeah, it was like, oh, I got my BA from, you know, Yale, and then I went to the MFA, then I got a JD for some reason, 
Yeah. I don't I'm going to read this shit. Uh, so I got my BA from Overland, then a JD from Yale, and immediately realized I made a huge mistake, so I applied to Iowa and got my MFA. But I decided I hadn't studied. You know, really studied enough poetry, so I'm getting PhD at Stanford. Anyways, here's a poem with the New York Times. That was so good. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, the poetry world, uh, the kind of larger institutions and shit that, that again, this sort of this sort of cohort of people that does, like, Paint Bucket and your podcast and all that stuff, like, they encourage that kind of, like, professionalized approach to poetry, um, and it's, and it's fucking bad. It's bad news. And I don't necessarily, like, uh, begrudge people who take that approach to it. Like, I, I get that people, you know, s- some people are going to want to make a living in academia or whatever. Like, I get that. But, like, and, you know, I, I generally try to, like I was saying, like, I try to love all poetry, and it cuts both ways. Like, I try to love, like, poetry that maybe isn't particularly uh, adept, like, by someone who maybe isn't, like, you know, suited to really, like, thrive in this miserable society. But I also try to love poetry by people who, like, you know, have everything going their way. Like, I really try to seek out the good shit. But the, but the, but the pressure toward professionalization uh, I, 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 as a poet as a as a person who is a poet as typified by these ridiculous biographies that, that you're talking about yeah it's just such a fucking it's just a miserable convention uh, i truly yeah well i mean it. you were you were talking about uh pyramid schemes earlier on twitter and that's you know sure comes yeah. to mind <laughs> no i mean yeah it is it, it, it i mean is that's not it's not always like uh, i hate pyramid schemes but like uh, you know, sometimes I, someone I hate pyramid like, schemes. But <laughs> well, like all I'm saying is there's different. No, I know you're kidding. Uh, there's different like um, there's different egregiousness registers, right? So there's people who like they just sell like fucking makeup to like the people in their small town, and like instead of buying from fucking Walmart, they're buying from this person. And like, yeah, that person is kind of running a pyramid scheme. But at the same time, it's like. It's not. It's more benign than than not. Uh, yeah, it's the drill drunk driving tweet. Sure, yeah. Um, but but and with poetry, you have that too, where it's like someone is like basically like, "Hey, young poet, like you're underneath me, and like you're part of my like world now, and you're sort of like going to contribute to that in this way, this way, and this way, and then like through that, you will benefit this way, this way, and this way. And sometimes those people like can be like more like a mentor or like someone who's actually invested in um, helping this person grow and develop as a person or as an artist. But more often than not, it's just like some institution is like, hey, you cut me a fat fucking check so you can like uh, present yourself in this way that is coded as valid. And then um, let's just keep that just keep that rolling like keep that merry-go-round spinning and spinning and spinning and it, yeah, it, it is a pyramid scheme. It fucking sucks. Yeah, I think one of the first times we interacted on Twitter was when I tweeted something about like, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna post a poem from a poet I like every day until I have enough clout to do manuscript consultations. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, and, that's uh, a good tweet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good tweet, dude. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> it made some people mad. I think. Oh, I'm sure. Well, but, and that. Uh, no, go on. Go ahead, finish your point. No, you go, you go. 
well yeah it's just like i think what you said was just like yeah this works but you i mean i left out a couple steps but you're like yeah it totally works like people totally i see i mean i know you've seen it i've seen it yeah yeah, yeah no people someone like this guy andrew joe who i talk to sometimes he he was like this is actually real and and then we were like kind of like and <laughs> that's it i mean like i don't know i i do have mixed feelings about it because like and like it's not it's not necessarily bad i will say that yeah it's definitely not necessarily it's usually bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> well like i like part of it like one part of it's like this kind of hustle thing where it's like everyone has to like make their hustle work and shit and people are just kind of like it's just drilled into our minds that we have to be entrepreneurial in, in, in every single thing we do so it's like this larger kind of like miserable capitalist directive that no one's everyone to be immune to and i get wanting to like do shit related to poetry and like make money off of it like i understand that completely and i think that's a completely valid thing to want to do but yeah most of the time when people are like on the timeline <laughs> like saying like hey guys like i have a few uh i have a few openings left if you want a consultation or whatever i'm just kind of like perplexed like i'm just like not that this person sucks, but I'm just like, I wonder, like, what they have to offer just, like, a random person. Because, like, I talk to people about their poetry all the fucking time, and most of the things I say as, like, a pretty seasoned person talking about shit aren't particularly useful. Like, it's just like, oh, here's some of my ideas. Like, maybe they're useful to you, maybe they're not. And, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a very rare kind of thing for someone to, like, truly, like, be able to provide that like ser service on the level that in a thing like poetry like i have a coworker who does like consultations but she's like doing it for like you know like books people are writing about like how to save money or like someone's self-publishing a, a romance novel or something and like she's just helping them clean up the 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 grammar and shit like so i don't know it is very weird to me when people put that out there because 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 i don't know and also, it's just like, I don't know. I don't want to be a hater, because I get why people do it. But I think it's kind of beautiful just to, like, talk to people about poetry and not have it be mediated through this, like, financial exchange or whatever. That means that what interests you about, like, the anti-press stuff? For sure. I mean, it's part of it, yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that interest me about it. But yeah, yeah, it is kind of a bummer. Uh, and it's not just poetry. It's kind of a way bigger thing, how everything has to be commodified everything you do has to be commodified or commodifiable or within the idiom of the commodified and and i like how the anti-press people like reject that with a with a with a gusto and totality that that is that makes you think you know it makes you reconsider certain uh ideas that people just kind of assume are true yeah, for sure. And, like, I mean, I guess something else we should talk about is, um, like, the work you do, I guess, at the University of Nebraska, which I guess is kind of the other side of the coin. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I'm a web editor for the journal Prairie Schooner, and uh, out of our office, so the editor of Prairie Schooner is this poet named Kwame Dawes, and uh, out of our office, we also run this organization that he started called the african poetry book fund and uh it's basically like our office has like three people i'm part-time uh my coworker ashley stress and i is full-time and kwame is full-time 
and uh, Kwame's sort of the the visionary. He like has all the big ideas. He makes all this like really cool shit happen. And Ashley um, is more of like a managerial person who like kind of handles like a lot of nuts and bolts things. And I'm like support staff more or less is the breakdown. But um, yeah, it's really funny being part of like like particularly the name Prairie Schooner is just like like I I truly loathe the name of our journal like i just i just if i could change it i would instantly i just think it's such a terrible name prairie schooner uh a lot of people call it prairie schooner and it's just like this kind of awkward thing where you you don't have to i don't know but anyways like it's funny being part of a thing that is coded as like traditional or uncool or boring or whatever um when in fact like the person who's doing it kwame and he took over in like 2012 or 2013 is like really cool like he's doing a lot of cool shit i I remember this experience through prairie schooner like one perk that i have at the job is i get to go to awp conference and they like pay for my travel and shit like that um the first time i went to awp for prairie schooner i went to a prairie schooner reading in the same night, I went to a prairie schooner reading. I believe it was a, maybe like a poor Claudia reading. Um, and, and I was not particularly excited about going to the prairie schooner reading. I just kind of had to go for a And I was very excited to go to the poor Claudia reading because it's like this cool press or whatever that like, you know, they like have cool graphic design and all this shit. Um, so, but the prairie schooner reading, it was like, fucking badass like uh lot and osman like read this poem that was just like fucking killer uh this woman named janine capo crusette who's now like part of the english department at unl she read this like really fire short story uh and it was just like kind of all kinds of people from all over the world all ages all kinds of backgrounds just like reading stuff and uh and you know kwame is a very 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 good like mc and he just kind of like can have a good uh a good vibe, a good energy going during your reading. And I was just like, wow, this is a blast. Like, this is, like, one of the best readings I've been to in a while. Like, who would have thunk? And then I went to the the, the poor Claudia reading or whatever it was, and it, it wasn't, like, a bad reading, but there were, like, three dudes who did variations on reading poems, either in, like, the voice of a robot or, like, had a computer set up to, like, read the poems in that, like, computer robot voice. <laughs> I was just like, it's kind of whack, you know? Like, it's just kind of like, oh, everyone just has this kind of same conceptual uh, notion that they're going to, like, kind of play around with. And the reading had this kind of, like, stale quality to it. So so, so that was, like, an interesting for me because it's, like, it, you can just kind of never tell where, like, good or beautiful shit is happening. Because, like, going back to Altlet, like, you know, there's a lot of things that like about Altlet that are very exciting and cool to me. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, Altlet was a site of a lot of like really fucking terrifying behavior uh, by really shitty people, and uh, and it wasn't good. It was bad. You, you know what I yeah. mean? And, I think, and then, sh- go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think the reading of Altlet that like I've seen a couple articles to this end. Like, I mean, the at the end of the day, it seemed like it was just like a. A, a factory for predators almost yeah i mean i think i mean like i think that's true I, I i think that's like that's like true of most creative things that involve young people 
Like, it, it's just uh, punk rock. Like, everything. A every kind of creative thing that involves young people, it, at least in my experience, like, observing these things and talking to people who are deep into it, there's typically a predatory aspect that emerges. And that's just because we live in a really fucked up predatory society. Uh, and, and, you know, I think all it was uh, just as bad as as anything else but but uh but yeah yeah i mean like that's it's just such a miserable thing that that happens i mean i don't know i just feel like we have this world that really doesn't value young people and often views them in just really shitty fucked up ways and and, and yeah like yeah i think you're right about any that in um and like i think the last poem doomsday doomsday there are you like what you're saying and what you said in that poem like reminded me of uh, I think it's Bell Hooks who said like you know children in this society don't have any rights. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, that's and that's something I, I love Bell Hooks and and that mode of thinking is something I I'm I'm obsessed with. I think it's like one of the more important sort of topics that it's not like no one talks about it, but I feel like it could be talked about a lot more. It's definitely um, under discussed. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to find that poem. I'm trying to find the part in the poem you that you're talking about. It might, it might not have been the last poem. My my um, memory might be failing me. Wouldn't be the first time. Well, that poem has a lot going on. It's a long poem. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's also there's no. I think it's, it's a poem before because it because I I talk about that movie Spotlight. I think and then the and then go into like the kind of tendency toward pred predatoriness in like all kinds of different contexts and how yeah it's like predicated on i don't know all kinds of shit what is it still haven't given Dalkey a hug even though i've been wanting to ever since his dad got killed but okay saw a spotlight with jess and Dalkey. Still haven't given Dalkey a hug, even though I've been wanting to ever since his dad got killed by a drunk driver early one morning not so long ago. Seems like a horrific number of children were sexually abused by priests. And it makes me sick that people still get down with that fucked up system. Because it's like a shitty patriarchal structure that's fundamentally fucked up. And abusive children is just like a natural byproduct. But at the same time, abusive children is a broader epidemic. I know so many people who were harmed by those who were supposed to care. I was telling Amanda I think family is to blame because it shouldn't be on one or two people to care for a growing human. It should be on more people. More people could keep each other in line better. Maybe if children weren't generally viewed as the property slash possession of adults, but that's how it goes mostly. Um, and, and, and yeah, like that's some like heavy shit or whatever, but like zooming, going back in the direction we're talking about within like creative scenes, like you, you see the same phenomenon happening where it's like someone it's who has power idea, within yeah. it, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like whenever someone has power within a community, they feel as though like they can exercise that power in any way. Um, and that often that involves predatory behavior and it's fucking bad. It's bad too. It's bad. It's a bad deal. I fucking hate it. Um, and yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, no, that is, uh, as your poem says, that is the fucked up society we live in, for sure. Yeah. 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 Fucking sucks. So, um, I want to ask, too, like, you've been involved in, like, publishing some other people's works. So, like, what, like, who, who's, like, how'd that come about? Like, whose work have you put out? Um, 
So I'll, I'll go. I'll go into uh, so like the 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 love poetry publishing thing I was talking about earlier. Um, that was in collaboration with my friend Amanda Huckins. Like other people did it, but like her and I were kind of like we would like hash out ideas and like scheme and dream and whatever. Um, at some point, like she kind of it was kind of like post Ferguson. Like she became less interested in doing poetry shit and more interested in doing like activism and stuff. So she sort of uh, pulled back from like the work we were doing, just like putting out chat books and like all that kind of shit. Um, but I wanted to keep it going. Uh, but I found that the way that I did it with Amanda, which was we would like sew shit together. We would like fold things with like these tools. Like it was a very like artisan approach or whatever. I found that doing that by myself, uh, I hated doing it. Like I hated folding papers in a room alone. It's like the worst fucking experience ever. And just generally like kind of artisany things. Like they, I just don't, I just don't vibe with them usually. So I got it in my head that I wanted to figure out a way to do it that was entirely like machinized, machinized or whatever, where where I could just give a file to someone and it would it would print out a thing that I felt like, good about. Uh, so, so that was, I just had that idea kind of around. And then at some point, kind of around the same time, Amanda and I stopped doing shit. I put out there that I wanted to put a, put a, put a, put a book out with someone like who wants to collaborate. And my friend, Amin, who like, I don't even know if we were friends at the time, but I think we were acquaintances at least this guy, Amin Waba, uh, he reached out and was like, Hey, let's do this. And then, like, him and I kind of had, like, a a prolonged editorial exchange where he sent me a bunch of stuff and we talked about it. But then, like, nothing ever came of it because I wasn't equipped to put something together in a way that worked for me. Um, but then, uh, basically, uh, the, the turning point was, like, uh, with Amanda, like, she did all the layouts for the books that we did, and she did it in Adobe InDesign. And I, I, like, got her to give me a copy of it or something. But whenever I'd open Adobe InDesign, my brain would just, like, turn into a fucking, like, piece of jello. And I would just feel this, like, deep uh, misery and angst in my stomach. And I just didn't like using that program. It just made me feel kind of miserable and shitty. Um, and, and, and then one day I was like, what if I didn't? trying to make a book in InDesign. And instead, I just tried to use the fucking text edit program on my on my Apple laptop uh, to, like, make a fucking book. And then I started, like, fucking around with the text edit program. And I've been using text edit for years. Like, this is how it works for me. Like, I print out poems every single week and share them with people. I do that within text edit. I have thousands of text edit files on my computer. I've been using text edit so much for so long. And, uh... And when I started, like, fucking around with, like, ooh, maybe, like, I'm trying to lay out a book in TextEdit, uh, I, I realized that the program actually has, like, a, it's, it's, it has a lot of, like, stuff you can do with it. And, uh, and then I just started, like, fucking around and, like, figuring shit out. And I had a few, like, kind of ideas for, like, what I might do. And I, like, tried a few things. And then, like, and then, like, I can't remember something triggered me wanting to do this. But basically, I was, like... I want to have like a magazine sized poetry book that's printed on newsprint um, with, with images and text. So it kind of like 
has like a kind of internet energy to it. Cause I always like being on Tumblr and like scrolling and like seeing a picture and then like reading some fragment of text and then like seeing three pictures and like reading a poem. I just, I just thought that was a really cool way to like interact with people. Yeah. I would say not to interrupt real quick, but the experience of Tumblr was much better than Twitter, even though Tumblr was way more broken. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, completely. like, I mean, in, ter- like in terms of the timeline anyway, I agree completely. I think Tumblr like, completely dropped the ball and like became worse but yeah when tumblr was at its best it was in my opinion by far the the best social media platform and like kind of the only one that really ever like felt like it at least partially captured like what i view to be the positive potential of the internet which is like this is a space where people can like be themselves and you can encounter them in a way that feels natural um yeah i love the tumblr tumblr timeline during like peak tumblr years before they sold out and shit um i agree and it fucking inspired my own your aesthetic in the books (laughs) yeah yeah so so like i i uh then this funny thing happened where i was like trying to figure out how to print on newsprint and i had to like go around to like every printer in town and like they all said, you can't print on newsprint unless, unless you like print like seven thousand copies or whatever. And then like, there's a place called the printer, and me and my friend Amanda had went there one time because they had like a free, like magazine rack or something. And I borrowed my buddy's truck and we got this magazine rack. And Amanda put it in her apartment, and she would have a lot of people over, and she put a lot of her like kind of like radical texts and stuff so it's like a little mini library uh so, so like i had a good good vibe from those people and then i was like maybe those fucking people at the printer can do this so i went there and they're like yeah i think we could do this and then i left and then a couple weeks later they hit me up and they had printed these fucking booklets on newsprint and i was like wow this looks cool like this is great and uh and then i was like hey amanda uh, so Amanda Hawkins is a good friend of mine. I think she's a brilliant poet, and I love her. Um, and we've been working together for like quite a, quite a long while. Uh, she had she had self published a book called "Trying to End the War" that I thought was like really great, and it has this poem called "Which French Revolution," which I like. I fucking love. Like I'm I I love that poem. So I was like. Hey Amanda, like, what if I have this new idea for how to publish it? You already have this book, Trying to End the War. Like, what if we just like redid Trying to End the War as like a pilot for this thing that I'm working on? And she was like, "Yeah, sure." And then we collaborated on that, and then, and then, yeah, then like I just kind of figured it out. And then, like, then because I had had this project with Amin that never went anywhere, I felt as though I needed to like make right with Amin and I was like, hey I mean do you want to uh do you want to finally put this book together? And then we collaborated on one called um Bear Witness to That Which Is. And then uh yeah, there's another one that we put out with that I put out with my friend Rachel Wolf uh called Time Disappears. And uh these are all just like people in the brass group poets who I think are brilliant and beautiful people and it's cool to like have a way to present their work that's like coherent and fun and exciting and um and yeah like 
with Amin, it's really good for him because he's a musician and he like travels around and having just like that item on the merch table just like kind of allows him to like connect with people and like have a little bit of extra money in his pocket when he's touring and shit. Um, so I don't know. But there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of aspects of it, but uh, the the basic. I, I sort of had all these like grand ambitions with it, uh, but but then I like I've had a lot of like issues with with money and shit like uh, related to like my personal life <laughs> that I don't want to get into in too much detail. But it's not anything like weird. But like basically, my sort of dreams and schemes of like putting out like six or eight books a year kind of like bit the dust. Although I, I do hope to kind of pick up the project and like have it be a thing where I'm like consistently putting out uh, booklets and work by people. But yeah, just like the kind of cost of printing the stuff. It's not like super prohibitive. Like I have it set up. So it's like pretty cost effective and pretty like affordable to do it. But yeah, when you're just real broke, it's even then it's so hard. Yeah, I mean that's and that's to me is like one of the things I guess the internet has been really helpful for is just like sharing work like that because I don't know. Yeah, like I feel like uh, there's way less control. Like, but I, well, I guess like you know it takes so much money to publish something, and there's just now with the internet, it's just you way less to publish things. For sure. Well, and like that's the thing is like. For years, I had these models in mind that were, like, more, like, traditional publishing, like, Perfect Bound shit or, like, Risograph shit. And, like, it's so expensive to put out books. And, like, you really have to put out a pretty big volume to to bring the the cost per book down. And it sucks. Like, it sucks so bad. <laughs> and it's, like, expensive and it sucks. Like, I don't know. I just feel like having that pressure can really like drain the fun and excitement out of it uh unless you like happen to have a shit ton of money or something but uh but with the, with the way i do it like it's like e- even if i print like a real small amount it's only like two bucks per book or something um so you know you print 20 it's like 40 bucks or something like that's that's not like that's within the bound of sort of like something i can do um but at the same time, like, doing that on a regular basis many times throughout the year, which is, like, kind of my dream with it or whatever, just isn't in the cards right now. But, yeah, but yeah, the internet's cool because, like, I haven't fully developed a site for the project, which is called Merrily, Merrily, Merrily. But, like, with Amin's and Amanda's, I have, like, PDFs of them up online. I have them linked and shit, so you can just, like, read it for free if you want. Um, and I'll email PDFs to people and stuff, too. So yeah, it, it, the internet is great for like sharing stuff. Um, it's the best. Yeah, no, it's really cool, and uh, <laughs> it lets me talk to you right now. I guess for sure. Yeah, there is no. Yeah, we are. We're not talking without the internet. <laughs> yeah, is there is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Mm, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe you could read a poem or something. That might be fun. Yeah, that's a good way to close it out. You want to read? You is there a poem you want to read? Um, do you have any ideas? Um, maybe the James. I feel like the James Gandolfini one was fun, or that one that was like an email. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'll do the James Gandolfini one. It's funny, uh, it's because it's like two poems, but it's like 
it's like a, I guess it's like a two part serial poem or some shit. But uh, I love that poem, and I love James Gandolfini. I love James Gandolfini. He's one of my favorite artists. And I, I had this reading I did in Omaha once. I was like, I was gonna read both of the poems called R.I.P. James Gandolfini. I read the first one, and then the second one wasn't the next page in my stack of paper. And I like spent like three minutes like trying to find the poem, and I couldn't find it. And I felt like I had like spiritually wronged both the poem and James Gandolfini by failing to read both of them. So this moment right now will be finally correcting that. Uh, so yeah, setting the record straight. Setting the record straight. I'm reading both poems. One poem, but it's two poems. R.I.P. James Gandolfini. I tweeted James Gandolfini was one of my favorite artists, and nobody retweeted or fave. In an interview with Matthew Savoca, him and Brad Listy babble on about how much to edit. Savoca brings up Kerouac's first word, best word. Kerouac died of alcoholism at 47. James Gandolfini died at 51, but seemed older because he so adroitly portrayed human decay. I'm thinking about Pat Tillman's drunk brother telling the most powerful people in the world to fuck themselves. His brother didn't believe in God. Dead leaves rest under trees. Sometimes we put them in bags that look like pumpkins. And David chases not fade away. The protagonist goes to California to start his life. James Gandolfini spent a lot of time there because that's where the film industry is. The song Gloria by Van Morrison was in an episode of The Sopranos. The character Gloria is shown walking to Tony's boat. He gives her a gift, then there's a phone call. It's Tony's old girlfriend. And Gloria gets pissed and throws the gift into the ocean. Gandolfini is an Italian name. After Googling, I've determined the name doesn't mean anything. It may refer back to the town where somebody long ago was from, e.g. Leonardo da Vinci, Leonardo from Vinci. His Broadway debut was the 1992 revival, A Streetcar Named Desire. He rarely does interviews. There was a deeper meaning, one I desperately wanted to grasp. We are a family, and even in this day and age, that means something. Gandolfini also plays a mean trumpet. The naturally shy Gandolfini, September 18th, 1961 through June 19th, 2013. R.I.P. James Gandolfini. Is life meaningless? I think about us living an animal existence. But sometimes I think we can care about and love each other even if proximity doesn't exist. There's a song that played while I ate mushrooms with moss. It's from The Sopranos, a scene where Carmela asks Tony for money, and it symbolizes her broken ethics. It goes, once often true love will just die and leave a grief to haunt the lonely nights and days. Today I tweeted, I'm so thankful for each golden hour of happiness that we shared together in the used-to-be. Hank Williams. Cheyenne retweeted, which I judgmentally questioned like an asshole before remembering her mom is dead. But yeah, loves die, people die. Commentary tracks for The Sopranos are some of the best. 
There's a great one with Drea DeMatteo from the episode where her character, spoilers, gets murdered. Trax is a word that can have lots of meanings. Like a track mark on your arm means heroin addict. Running on the track means youthful association with high school and before. I used to be believed that most people don't deserve to be literate. That was an argument against public education, and it wasn't unpopular. There are a lot of ways to look at history and gauge how fucked up someone is. Would they help a person in trouble in Nazi Germany? Would they own slaves? Would they not own slaves but not support the abolition of slavery? Would they favor public education? Track can also mean career track, how well you function in capitalist society. Every word has an infinity of meanings, just like us moving our bodies, every motion an infinity. And I think James Gandolfini tapped into that. In a self-help book I'm reading, one of the positive emotions is awe. I'm thinking of James Gandolfini and where the wild things are. This used to be all rock, and now it's sand. Then it's going to be dust. Then the whole island will be dust. And I don't know what comes after dust. Jim is what David Chase calls James Gandolfini in a commentary track. He talks about how difficult it was for Jim to strangle the actress who plays Gloria. In a statement, David Chase called him my brother, a dead man, a brother. Yeah, thanks for reading that. For sure. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, it was a good talk. I hope it's a good talk. I hope it's not a bad talk. (laughs) No, it was a good one. I just remembered there's another line in one of your later poems. I don't want to say the last one because I was wrong last time, but I think it's the last one uh, where you talk about like... uh, Someone, someone says to you, like, you know, we don't want to be good Germans right now or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I just remembered that, yeah. Yeah, the poet Brenda Hillman said that. She's cool. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good line. But uh, <laughs> th- sure. thank you for coming on. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, love this pod. I enjoyed the tweets. I think you're doing really beautiful work, so please keep it going, and I'm honored. Well, th- well thank you for coming on, and thank you for saying that. It's been, it's been yeah, fun talking. Sure. Cool. Yeah, and I really enjoyed your your poems too. Just uh, yeah, I forgot to Thank say. You. That's that means a lot. Yeah, no, that's it was it was a good it was. I was gonna say a fun read, but that doesn't seem quite appropriate in some ways. But, I yeah, feel like no, my poems good. can be fun. They're kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, they definitely are at times. <laughs> but that, <laughs> yeah, they're really good though. Thank you.